back to Love, Life, and Legacy, a podcast dedicated to helping you overcome the limitations that you have in your heart and mind and body in the areas of sexuality so that you can be free to live a life filled with love and God and all the good stuff. And in today's episode, we have a fella by the name of Martin Mayer, who has written a bunch of books, apparently. I just heard about the one, and when I saw the title, I was like, yo, I gotta get this guy on the podcast. He's very cool, he's very smart, but I wanted to mention a few things. First of all, I am clearly still in the jungle, because if you listen to this podcast, you'll hear many crickets. It was late at night, my time, and there were all sorts of bugs in the background, which I can't mute. I can't tell the whole litany of crickets and all sorts of other creepy crawlies to just be quiet because I'm making a podcast. So there's that in the background. So I just advise you to take it like a meditation track because they always seem to have crickets and night sounds anyway. So let it soothe you. And secondly, uh, there's a point in the podcast where he talks about something, but it gets cut off. The Wi-Fi cut out at that exact same time. And what he's talking about is the 1960s, the hippie movement, the free love movement. And he gets into kind of a, a bit of a discussion about that. And so it's a really key point that you don't hear in the podcast. So I wanted to just, when he starts talking about the free love movement, the hippie movement, just know that that's what he's talking about. And it's a really great discussion. He's a super smart guy. So I hope you love the podcast as much as I loved interviewing Martin Mayer. Welcome back, everybody, uh, to Love, Life, and Legacy. And today we have an interview. Uh, and the reason why we're having this is because of fate, because of God. God brought us together. Um, because I can say with certainty that I have absolutely no idea how I ended up on this email list. But I ended up on an email list, and it was promoting a book. And the title caught my name, and I. Immediately, as upon seeing this book's title, I, I reached out to this man and I said, can you please get on our podcast? Because it is exactly everything that we are all about, just by the title. And then I started reading and I was like, yes, this guy's one of us. He's absolutely, he gets it. His name is Martin Mayer. And basically, I want to tell you the title of the book and then you'll understand exactly <laughs> my motivation. Uh, the title is The Marriage Blessing and the principle for lasting love, good sex, and true parenthood. So, I mean, if you know anybody who has high noon blood running through their veins, we, we, I fell out of my chair. I was like, oh my God, how do I not know about this book? And so I invited Martin uh, onto the podcast so that we can pick his brains because he's passionate about this topic and he's done a lot of research. And it's such a fast track way to get a, a, a very deep and wonderful perspective. So welcome, Martin, to the podcast. Thank you, Andrew. I'm very glad to be here. Where are you presently in the world? I'm in uh, South Korea, uh, right uh, in the Chongpyong area. I uh, okay. live for 20 years and have been teaching at a high school at the Chongshim International Academy, Academy for the last uh, 15 years of those 20 years. Wow. And how, how's your Korean doing? Are you fluent yet? Uh, Have you... Not, not too good. <laughs> Still not too good. <laughs> Language to learn. My kids are all fluently, but my wife and I, were not, uh, we haven't been so sex successful yet, unfortunately. Yes. It's the curse of the English language. Wherever we go, people speak English. 
It's very, very convenient, yeah, especially at the school. So I'm, I'm required to teach in English and speak in English with my students. So that doesn't really help either. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and where, where were you born? I was born in the Netherlands, uh, okay. a tiny little country for people who don't know where that is. That's in between Germany, France and England. <laughs> and uh, I've lived in of many other places since in the United States, in Russia, both for about a decade and then for the last 20 years here in, in South Korea. And so if if my instincts serve me correctly, you are very tall because every Dutch person I've ever met is extremely tall and dwarfs me. Yeah, that is a more or less correct stereotype. <laughs> yes, the, the Dutch apparently, I, I've been told, that they're on average the tallest people in the world, more than in other, other countries. So, yes, I don't it's, really know why that is, but how, how it is. It's inc- I mean, yeah, for somebody like me, I'm particularly short, and so the, the sun is eclipsed every time there's a Dutchman close by. Close by. I, don't, <laughs> I lose my sun. And so you are, uh, you are blessed in marriage, yes? Yes, yes. I, my wife and I, Myra, and I, we were blessed in the 1982 as a part of the 2075 uh, couple blessing in Medicine Square Garden in New York. And we, uh, so that's, we're going close to 40 years now already. Very close. Yeah, we're, we're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> and we have uh, four children, one daughter and three sons who are, you know, the, pretty much all adults, except for the youngest one. He's still just in the teenage years, but they're all pretty grown up and they're all over the place, all over the world. Wow. They take after you, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's true. And so I guess we'll we'll get into the book, but I'm also interested in, in the evolution because I know that our movement, people like us uh, who believe in true parents, we Sex is, is very interesting. Anybody who's religious, sex is a very interesting and loaded topic. And here you are, a man living in Korea, uh, a, a man of the world who now lives in Korea, uh, who wrote a book about love and sexuality. So why, I guess we'll start in the present and then we can work our way back and forth between past and present and future. But presently, like what compelled you to write such a book? Why now? Um, when did this book come out? And then why did you feel that the world really needed to hear this perspective? Well, it's interesting because I've, uh, I think you mentioned that, uh, I don't know, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but I've written a number of books uh, before this one. Actually, this this particular book is actually my, my seventh book that I have published. Wow. And uh, the one before that was a book on um, Korean education. And uh, uh, I published that through a commercial Korean publisher in Seoul, uh, a woman who has a smaller size publishing company, really good, and and basically an educational publishing company. And she really liked my style. The book was relatively successful. I sold several thousand copies, which is for a a book good. You know, she sells three, four, five thousand copies. That's considered a a success, a very modest success, but still a success. And she liked my style very much. And that was right around the time, uh, no, that was already happened early. She was aware that um, Father's autobiography had been published, and maybe she thought, wow, that is interesting. These, everybody is reading this autobiography of Reverend Moon. Maybe uh, 
And maybe she was thinking that she could make some money or so, or maybe she was, after reading the autobiography herself, she became interested. And she said, well, can't you write a book? And I was very surprised because usually people are not that interested, especially when it comes from a commercial perspective, to, uh, to get involved in our church because we were generally criticized and, and critiqued a lot. But I said, sure, you know, I would love to do that. That's one of my favorite topics to talk about, my church, my faith, and uh, our, our practice in our community. So that's how it got started. So originally, I didn't put writing on the, this topic of, of sexuality. You know, the, the, the book has a whole variety of, of uh, topics, and uh, human sexuality is one of them. But I started basically writing a book to make the uh, the unificationist faithful understandable for people who have uh, no idea or are not very familiar with what we think and what we believe and uh, that is how this book got started and it was so it was actually first published in the korean language uh, before it was published i wrote of course i wrote it in english but it was translated by someone else into korean and it was published first in korean before now more recently it was published in the english language and it was published under the title of people who choose the unification church and uh, which is actually a bit of a misnomer and i think the reason why she did it because i have in this book i have a lot of short stories testimonies from members from all over the world from america germany guyana uh, russia japan everywhere and she somehow thought that was fascinating because all these little stories are in there and she uh, said well that's really interesting because these people all sound very uh, intelligent and well educated and that's kind of contrary to the stereotype that many people have have a unification church people that they're you know, somehow duped into you know, to believing this particular religion. And uh, she wanted to apparently really highlight that particular component, that people, these are educated people, smart people, intelligent people, and they make the voluntary decision to be involved in this, in this religion. But that was not the main focus. These testimonies were just illustrations of what I was talking about. But the book itself has two huge parts, two large parts. The first part is called The Principle of Love, and it outlines how generally love functions. It's, of course, centered on the principle and centered on belief in God. And then the second half deals concretely with the blessing, and that's called The Marriage Blessing. The book is whole, as a whole, now in English, is called The Marriage Blessing and The Principle for Lasting Love, Good Sex, and True Parenthood. So the second half is also called that, the marriage blessing. And there I speak very concretely about love, relationship, um, family life, human sexuality, and all those kind of things. But so the first impulse for the book is was to make uh, the unification church, the belief system, the ideas uh, accessible to people who have uh, very little of them. But the style of the writing is, I realized that if I just write it really just a very elementary ABC, then uh, the members in our community are not going to be interested in it. So I'll make it really interesting for both uh, Unification Church people that are not familiar with the Unification Church. So it can be read equally by both of these groups of people. And I've had very good responses to them. People so far have said they love the book, they really enjoyed it, and that. So far, so good. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, it's interesting because 
it's when you write a book such as that, very easy to get lost in, I guess, preaching or evangelizing or trying to prove yourself, right? And and typically, uh, I would say that sex would be something to be avoided because it's almost like a distraction, but you've even put it in the title. And so why why did you feel like that was a necessary component about you know, the unification faith, why, why is it so mentionable, so uh, prevalent in your, your viewpoint about our faith that it was worth putting in the title and including in the book so much? Well, for two reasons. Uh, first, everybody thinks about sex in one way or another, either in a, in a positive way, negative way, or a mixed up way, or a neutral way. Uh, it's something that everybody uh, is in some way or form is thinking about and uh, occupied with, unfortunately, oftentimes in a, in a very wrong way. So I wanted to make clear that certainly in this book, I'm going to speak on this topic because this is a very, very important uh, aspect of human life and something that everybody thinks about and that everybody needs. And I wanted to draw attention to that. Uh, secondly, also, if you uh, read the book as a whole, what is referred to in our tradition, absolute sex, uh, I emphasize in that that unfortunately so far, uh, the people who realize this discussion of human sexuality are people that, you know, to put it somewhat crudely or briefly, uh, oftentimes have no idea what they're talking about. So you have people, because people have a certain celebrity status, because they are whatever, um, Lady Gaga or Brad Pitt, and they make a lot of money and they've made uh, movies that people enjoy watching. Therefore, they are uh, making all kinds of pronouncements about this particular topic. But if you listen to them, you realize, well, who are these people really? And do they really know what they're speaking about? And the reality is that they don't. So, and this is, that's very unfortunate. So I felt that it's important that this uh, openly, uh, proactively, uh, proudly with head held high, not uh, somehow as a footnote or as an afterthought, but as a, a, a portrait of a discussion of love, of marriage, and family life, because it's a, it's a central component in all of that. And if people uh, cannot deal successfully with sexual realities, then they somehow get into trouble in the other areas as well, in their love relationship, husband and wife relationship, or with other uh, whatever affairs outside of the marriage, or sex before marriage in a variety of ways, or breakdown of the family. So this is something that absolutely needs to be addressed. So that's why... Uh, I felt it's important to really highlight that and emphasize that in the in the book as a whole and even in the title. Yeah, I mean, that's very much in line with everything we talk about. Um, and so, what what are what are these people getting wrong? Like, if you could spell it out, because we for anybody who's listening who's steeped in pop culture, which it's almost impossible to avoid, uh, but especially for younger people, right, where that's that's the lion's share of their understanding about sex is they're hearing about it from these celebrities. What What exactly are they, what's so off about what they're saying? Because to be honest, you know, if one, the one side that represents religion is usually very quiet. And, and if they do bring it up, it, there's a lot of fear and shame involved. Um, you know, if it's coming from the pulpit or for whatever, from whichever religion, it doesn't even matter. 
Um, but yet on the other side of pop culture and celebrity, you have people boldly speaking, unabashedly and proudly saying, this is, this is what makes me happy. And who are you to say anything, right? So what in, in your, in your feeling, in your impression, what, what is off about what, what they're saying? What is, what is, what doesn't quite add up? Mm -hmm. The, uh, problem is that uh, the people who dominate this discussion don't have a clear or coherent philosophy for life or uh, human relationship. They sort of buy things uh, uh, through trial and error and um, then see what the outcome is going to be. But they don't really have a clear system of thought or philosophy or uh, on which basis they can make positive prescriptions. And, you know, the proof is in the, in the pudding, because if you look at many of them, then you can see they are uh, three, four, five times divorcee. So clearly what they are suggestion or suggesting or practicing doesn't really work. So the, the problem is that, that to some extent, of course, this whole development of the last few decades is understandable because um, until this whole pace in the 19th sex was in a certain kind of a taboo atmosphere. You know, it's something that you didn't discuss, something that you don't talk about. You know, decent people don't uh, discuss sex. Uh, nice girls don't enjoy sex. Good boys uh, behave themselves and so forth. So we don't deal with that in public. As a result of that, it was suppressed. It was hidden from view. And people are, are kind of figuring things out for themselves and oftentimes a great cost, great expense to themselves. So this sexual revolution, I can maybe read a small little part that addresses this actually in the book, right here on the, in this uh, chapter nine that deals with uh, absolute sex. It says the sexual revolution gradually affected people all over the world, presumably freeing them by taking sex out of its former taboo atmosphere. In the West, it became fashionable and a sign of sophistication to talk about sex publicly in ways that formerly were limited to the bedroom. This new openness indeed led to more honest discussion and education about sex. There were numerous other negative consequences, some of which have already been mentioned. Most strikingly, the new conversation about sex at home and at work, at schools and in restaurants did not lead to the expected liberation of men and women, and the new morality did not bring people the anticipated fulfillment and happiness. Instead, the double entendre and the crudeness of the new discourse created an atmosphere of superficiality and insecurity. Nevertheless, the vocal progressive in favor of these changes were and still are unwilling to admit that sex is a problematic subject. They so persistently ignore their own moral intuition, which urges some restraint concerning sex and respect for the human body, that they became expert at repressing their own natural inclination towards modesty. Any sense of shame about sex, they reasoned, must be the result of their own bourgeois upbringing. I really um, love that. I gotta say, I love hearing that. It's very, it's very clear because... The idea of, of progressives, you know, and, and, you know, to be honest, uh, our movement is very progressive in many ways. I think that term gets, gets muddied, but a lot of times that these kind of social progressives, um, push a certain agenda. And when things go sour, when things don't pan out as they promised, they somehow aren't responsible for cleaning up the mess, right? It's just like, hey, let's try this. Oh, it failed. Well, let's try something else. And but 
who's who's on the tab for cleaning up this mess? We've never figured that out because um, I, I I mean I know many people who still don't see any any problems with the hippies, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like all the all the figureheads of the hippie movement are dead or multiple times divorced, right. or they they definitely don't have any proof to show that that love that they were preaching had any value at all. So very wonderfully put. Mm -hmm. Very wonderfully put. Thank you. Let, let yeah, me add please. one little piece to that, because what is so insidious about this also that these people, uh, not just these people, it's not just the celebrities, but people in education and so forth also, they have not just changed what is like socially accepted or appropriate, but they've changed the language in the process. You know, so this, this one little a little paragraph over here, it says, a vocal minority long dominated the discussions on sex and vulnerable, namely the young, hostage to their own irresponsible philosophies and amoral prescriptions. Anyone who dares to disagree with their fashionable conclusions is labeled an intolerant reactionary or a brainless fundamentalist. The language is being rewritten. No longer is a man or woman promiscuous, they are sexually active. The expression free sex, like some other jazzy jargon used by this presumably such as sexual rights, lifestyle diversity, and reproductive freedom, sounds sophisticated and appealing, but it masks a hedonistic worldview that has fanned the flames of epidemics such as pornography, teenage parenthood, child prostitution, trafficking of women, and AIDS. By contrast, salute sex means the sexual act between husband and wife who are absolute, unique, unchanging, and eternal, centering on God. Boom. Yeah. I mean, I've got to say, this is, this is one of the biggest problems, is the fact that absolute sex or morality-based sex or heavenly sexuality or anything has terrible marketing, and it always has, and it's always associated with prudishness. Because in contrast to uh, the jazzy people that you're talking about, it just seems rigid and, and stiff. Whereas the marketing, just like for nearly a century, cigarettes had wonderful marketing. Even after it was proven that cigarettes kill you, still people buy them. So clearly they've done a good job with marketing. And, and yet the more kind of religious morality-based side has always done a very poor job at that. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. So, but your book, I've got to say, is, is really helpful because it really speaks to the intellectual um, understanding of, of what's happening. I, I really like it a lot. I see you sifting through your book there. What what else you got? You got this is good stuff. I'm sure people are riveted. I got all kinds of stuff here. It's hard to make a, a choice. Yeah, no. If if you don't mind me, uh, this because this thing uh, that you mentioned about the the uh, prudishness, you know, and the uh, sure. you know the Reverend Moon uh, Father, you know, it's I have some wonderful quotes from in here, and Father is is in our whole teaching is so wonderfully liberating you know if you uh here for instance it says you know let me just read this little piece from you here we must make best use of this most precious gift from god that means we should transform our sexual life into a work of art by transforming our conjugal life into an artwork we should bring our spouse joy we want to make our spouse feel joy 
We must learn how to make love by observing nature. We must learn how tigers make love, how rabbits make love, how sparrows make love. You should live by learning how all these animals make love and by applying their styles to your own conjugal sexual life. A husband and wife should study the next program of their lovemaking together. They have to live a their life with joy and excitement. During their whole lives, they should learn how to love through nature and practice it in their lives. Thunder and lightning caused by negative and positive electricity on a cloudy day symbolize the marriage of the universe. A loud noise is audible at such times, right? Aren't pigeons noisy when they make love? Do you cry out when you make love? Be spontaneous. There's no need to hide such things. It is no longer a sin to shout until the window panes shatter all at once. Just mm. as lightning flashes with, peel, with a peal of thunder, so should you blaze. Wow, there you go with all the prudishness and everything. No, that's, uh, that's well, the... <laughs> yeah, I've got to say that that's, that's the journey of high noon has been the realization that what has been lacking in humanity and why we've fallen for so many traps along the way, especially in the area of sex, is because there has been no vision for what mm. it is that we're striving for. And so if there's an absence in conversation from the side of religion or people who have a more long-term view of, of life and of you know, eternity on the, on the topic of sex, then other people are going to fill in the blanks. They're just going to say, well, this is what it is. And that's what porn is, is, hey, this is what sex is. Even though it's the furthest thing from the truth, it's the best that most kids have because nobody else is giving them a vision that is as exciting as, say, porn. Uh, mm -hmm. so yeah, hearing those words is very vivid. It's very exciting and it's something you would want to strive for. So that, that's, that's one very huge point that we need to remind ourselves of everybody is that we need to have a vision. Otherwise we'll end up settling for some alternative because of our lack of vision. We just think, oh, this is as good as it gets because this is what's right in front of me. So yeah, mm -hmm. thank you for reminding us. That's very, yeah, father was a... He was, a, he was a poet, <laughs> especially about sex. He had a lot of stuff to say. And so about, I mean, I'd love to hear your own journey because when you, when you joined a, a religious movement, I'm guessing it was, if you got blessed in marriage in 82, then you probably joined in the 70s when a lot of, I mean, the disco revolution was happening. That's that Saturday night fever. That's cocaine and a lot of sex. And, and yet here you are living a very, you know, prudish life. And so what about your own journey of like your, the evolution of your understanding of sex? How has that evolved since I guess before you joined a religious movement to, did you become hyper prudish? Did you swing way far in the other direction? And then it's been slowly coming to a healthier understanding. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, of course. Well, I come, you know, I come from the Netherlands, which is in itself kind of a country that is notorious for its very, very liberal culture. You know, we have whatever you name it, we have it. We have uh, legalized prostitution. You can buy uh, marijuana and uh, soft drugs legally over the counters. Uh, euthanasia, we, you name it, we got it. So it has become more liberal in this day and age. But even when I grew up in that time, it was already like that or certainly becoming like that. So uh, you can imagine that during my 
my uh, school and my college days, I was not exactly uh, an example of moral rectitude. And uh, I had, um, yeah, several girlfriends and my experiences, which, you know, looking back, you know, you think, well, you know, maybe that was not really the best uh, decision or the wisest choice. But well, what did we know? We didn't know anything, right? Because we, that's the sure. environment you grow up in and that's the example you see. So when I uh, came in contact with the principal and I realized you know, what's, what the ideal is of, of, of fam- for family life, of less family life, that was uh, like for all other people who joined our, our movement, our organization, a dramatic turnaround. So I, I did not feel compelled somehow that to really clamp down on myself. It was kind of a natural response uh, by connecting to God. So for a long period of time, this is simply that didn't really uh, occupy much of my attention and time. But I was blessed. I joined uh, in 1980. And I was blessed very at a very quote unquote young time in the church. I was only a year and a year and a half in the church before I received the blessing, so I had to, not a whole lot of time to prepare for that. And once my uh, my wife and I got together, we in in those days, and in, in, in we were blessed in 1982. We didn't have nearly as much uh, guidance, and uh, certainly not in the field of self help, marriage counseling, and support systems, and so as as there is available today. So we sort of had to figure things out by ourselves. And and that was also a a somewhat difficult process, both in terms of developing skills in a a broader way and also in the the sexual area. Fortunately, my wife and I are both really on the the same page. We both do a lot of reading in husband-wife relationship, uh, communication skills, safe conversations, Mars and Venus, all these things that have come around, and also in the area of sexuality. So it's still, um, I think it's something that you continue learning in life. I can say that on the whole, my wife and I have a good relationship and a satisfying relationship. It's, that does not mean that there's no room for improvement, but I know that for some other people it has been very problematic. Fortunately, in, in our case, it has not to openly talk about things and, and uh, address issues and oftentimes because she's a woman i'm a man we see things very differently we experience things differently and we don't always agree on things but it can always be discussed uh, we have still more growing to do but we are we have come a long way already fortunately so your your students your eternal students which is yes. i'm sure yes. helped quite a bit yes you can say that yes it's a, um, <laughs> There's a little here. Let, let me read you one little quote. It's actually one of my favorite ones, uh, actually from Scott Peck. You may be familiar with him. He wrote this wonderful book called The Road Less Traveled. And uh, yeah, this is actually from uh, uh, the sequel to that book called, called Further Along the Road Less Traveled. And he, he, he has a great quote in there. It says, sex is a problem for everyone. Sex is a problem for children. Sex is a problem for adolescents. Sex is a problem for young adults. Sex is a problem for middle-aged adults. Sex is a problem for elderly adults. Sex is a problem for celibates. Sex is a problem for married people. Sex is a problem for single people. Sex is a problem for straight people. Sex is a problem for gay people. Sex is a problem for bricklayers and plumbers. Sex is a problem for dentists and lawyers. Sex is a problem for surgeons and therapists and psychiatrists. And sex is a problem for Scott Peck. 
you know so i think he, he's really rubbing it in so i think that that it's important to to uh, uh, this is another thing where where hollywood and the celebrity cult has done so much damage that if you have a problem with sex or you have some difficulty or challenge that mean then you are uh, there's something wrong with your head or something wrong with your body or uh, your failure as a human being and that is so untrue it is really important to acknowledge that because of our whole history the fallen history the problem with love sex is a huge challenge it's something that we really continuously need to learn about and discuss and relate to each other about of course primarily in the couple but also it as you do in your podcasts and in other ways at high noon by educating people by informing people because oftentimes it's a matter of of uh, simply people not knowing people being unaware ignorance about biological issues emotional issues uh, and other things uh, so it's very Absolutely. important that we are, that we are that we're being educated that we're educating each other and that we can can uh, discuss these things openly and this is i think why your your uh, forum your platform is also so valuable because it takes it out of the the shadows you know into the sunlight and people can respectfully thoughtfully Uh, talk about these things yeah and in a way that satisfies all all parts of us so uh sammy and i definitely work on more practical ways of helping people understand uh but we need emotional ways of understanding intellectual that's why books like yours are very ripe for satisfying the mind right because it's you have a lot of great research in there a lot of great testimonies uh but also just the way that you write is very it just stimulates that the mind in a way where you feel like you're on the right side you know you you you, <laughs> you know when you you say hey i'm with this guy cuz cuz they they're like the guy you want to be around during a fight yeah uh, in terms of like an intellectual debate uh, it's a, it's a fantastic book and um yeah it's just necessary right our minds need to be satisfied in this day and age especially we cannot cut corners intellectually and expect that our like that that's what ha- that's what happens with the celebrities is they just kind of say these very you know platitudes they speak in platitudes in many cases and but they haven't really thought things through is this really something that everybody could live like or just like a certain percent you know it's so yeah thank you for that i'd love to hear uh what what your definition of you know forward thinking sexuality is because definitely when we're with righteous people when we anybody when you hang out with a righteous person it's very easy to pick out all the many problems in the world <laughs> right mm-hmm. uh right. there mm-hmm. are quite a few uh but we love talking about what we're going to do to build something new something something that works finally and in the area of sexuality i'd love to hear what you your thoughts about heavenly sexuality and um how you how you think we can move forward productively in the area of sexuality as a society that's a that's a big question to first of all start with god um you know the the principle of course outlines that uh, god is the has the dual characteristics of of yang and yin you know masculinity and femininity so god doesn't have any problem with the man woman relationship obviously so if we want to resolve our our relationship issues then the first place to go to is is god and i'm uh, speaking for myself in my own experience uh, if i really am 
am on. If I really feel connected to God, I had a really good prayer, I go for a long walk in nature, I really feel at one with my environment, with nature, I can talk to God, I feel at peace, I'm not stressed out about all kinds of stuff. If I have considerable degree of unity within myself, between my mind and body, my conscience is at ease, then it is infinitely much easier to relate to my wife. No, so I realized that it really starts with me. It starts with the individual, with my own mm. personal self-development. So this is something that also my wife and, all, and I always do. We're always reading to educate ourselves. We educate our, ourselves as a couple, but we also in the, educate ourselves individually. She as a woman, I myself as a man. How can I grow? Where are my blind spots? How can I overcome certain kinds of things? I think that is essential. If we don't deal with these kind of things that we are hoodwinking ourselves. So every, uh, I mentioned it in the book, like in every man-woman relationship that is not centered on God, at some point is going to hit a ceiling. And one of the chapters in the book is actually called Breaking Love's Glass Ceiling, you know, and we cannot break love's glass ceiling without a relationship with God. So that's really, really important. So people sometimes think, you know, you know, well, you're getting all religious. So I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a real experience of God's love and God's presence well, in our can in I your just, life. I, I'd love for you to elaborate on that um, because on both sides of the spectrum, one is somebody doesn't have a deep relationship with God and that just sounds very abstract. And on the other side, somebody who's heard that their whole life, that just put God at the center of relationship. What does that actually, how does that look? If, if a couple doesn't have God at the center, they hit a glass ceiling, then how do you put God at the center? What's a practical way that a, a couple could start to infuse more God into their relationship? Okay, so, um, <laughs> yeah, you've got another hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, how do you relate to God? You learn, you educate yourself. So this is why uh, reading things, you know, if, if you talk about self-development, you can always distinguish there are certain kind of components. I, I teach a lot of workshops through second generation. And when I talk about the first blessing, I always distinguish, you know, you're, as a human being, you have several components in serious. You have a, a spiritual component, an intellectual, an emotional, uh, a physical to develop. So sometimes we kind of poo-poo the idea of intellectual development. It's very important to read. You know, I'm always reading, so it's important that uh, that you read things either from uh, based on principle, literature in our movement, or something that really addresses question of personal development, like in the book that I mentioned, who was Scott Peck, The Road Less Traveled. It's a wonderful book. So to really inform yourself so that you can recognize, wait a minute, this is something that I'm not really doing, or maybe I can do that. I can practice this kind of thing or that kind of thing so that you can recognize your blind spots and learn to overcome them. That's extremely helpful. I mean, to be honest, a lot of people can get lost in that. They can feel that they need to do certain rituals or that they they have to do certain things in order to get a certain result based off of mm -hmm. their concept of what God is or their sense of obligation to a religion, but rather what you're suggesting is very practical and um, it's kind of like making space in your mind for God to speak to you and also making space in your heart through growth 
to accept a little bit more of that person in your heart. It's all, it's very practical. So I just, I just wanted to acknowledge that because people need practical these days because to get by, you know, so I really appreciate that. And then you had something else you wanted to add. Yeah. So the, 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 um, then there's the emotional aspect, you know, if, if you're emotionally really unhappy or frustrated or you have the issue, of course, this is a huge area because some people come from difficult backgrounds, you know, in, with their, in their relationship with their parents oftentimes or, or other uh, significant relationships. And it's really important uh, for me, for example, I grew up in, in, a, in a family that was very kind of uh, intellectual, critical, rational, I mean, the Dutch, you know, North European people. So I grew up in that kind of atmosphere. So for me to learn, to express and to share my feelings and my thoughts with my wife was not easy at all. And I had to learn to do that and to also learn to sometimes to ask for what I needed. Say, look, you know, sweetheart, I need to really talk to you. And, you know, there was something happening the other day that really frustrated me. And so we've had to learn to do this. I've had to learn to express my feelings in a reasonable manner and to ask for what I need so that I can feel emotionally connected to my wife. Also speak with a good friend so that you can be emotionally connected to your friend or a small community or small group. So that also has to be addressed because if these areas are not addressed. Sexuality does not happen in isolation. It is connected to a whole network of the human being. And all these points are a part of that, you know, the emotional, the intellectual, the spiritual. When it comes to God, you know, I, I was, before I joined the church, I was an atheist. For, so for me, I had to really, I had a lot of learning to do when I joined the church. I, speaking from that perspective, I know it's possible, even from that kind of background, to develop a relationship with God. And now when I come to the difficulty relating to God because I feel just judgment, I address this in this book in the first half. There's a whole section on God's heart and the suffering of God. And the, the, the drumbeat in that chapter is that God is not a judge. God is a loving parent. And, you know, I cannot say that enough, like that it's so important that people, you know, really find ways to open their own hearts through music through nature through talking with other people and once their heart is open then to connect in a moment like that to god and say thank you god to really softly in a soft way through soft power start to develop their own relationship with god not the hard way not standing under the cold shower for 12 minutes or fasting for three days i mean there's nothing wrong with that it's all fine but that is not really going to cultivate a deep, intimate relationship with God. It is when your heart is touched, when you hear a beautiful piece of music, when you're touched by the sunset, and you can say, thank you, you feel some warmth, or you hold the hand of a person whom you love, or you embrace somebody, you hug somebody. If you can connect those moments to God, then a circle can happen, a cycle starts to develop between your momentary experience and your relationship with God. So now, personally speaking, I'm in love with God. I love, mm. for me, you know, to pray mm. to God is, is a joy. And I believe with all of my heart that that's possible for every person in the world because we were designed to operate that way. We were made that way, to relate in love with God. So it always grieves me when I hear people say, oh, you know, God, I cannot, you know, it's so hard. So, I mean, I, I sympathize with it, but at the same time, I feel it's not necessary. It's sure. really not necessary. Beautiful, wonderful relationship with God. And it's, I think it's a really important 
note and and like a sticky note for everybody to put in their mind right now that um, we have a lot of people who listen who are heavily habituated to say the least uh, some people very addicted to pornography or they just have these self-destructive habits and we know that the road back to self and to health includes god right but what you're describing is 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 a very necessary element to finding yourself, which is taking the time to allow your heart to be vulnerable and open to receive through music, through nature, through whatever. And it's something that I'm absolutely positive. Pretty much everybody listening to this podcast says, I don't have time for that. And yet it's probably the most important thing that you can do because it will add color to the rest of your day, to the rest of your life. And mm -hmm. I just, I, I really want to emphasize that point that you made because I can see it even in myself that I'm forcing myself lately to stop in the middle of the day, sometimes several times to meditate and slow my breath and to connect mm -hmm. with all the many things around me that I have to be joyful for and how that it just brings value to the things that I'm doing. And so mm -hmm. uh, I just want everybody to hear that, whether you're, you're single and you're frustrated or you just want more of the good stuff, less of the bad stuff, that's, that's where it is. Mm -hmm. It's not in the doing, it's not in the action, it's in the absence of all, all the doing when you can just breathe in God. And that, that only happens when Absolutely. you allow that to happen. And so like I like that. The idea of hard love versus soft love and that soft love is something that our world does not value in its present state because it's a go, go, go kind of world. We're supposed to be productive. We're supposed to be doing all these things and it's very outward focused. And in so doing, we are sacrificing that softness that only happens when you sit down and value just sitting and tilting your head up to the sky and just saying thank you for no reason, just being happy for no reason. Not because you deserve it, just because you are a human and you and you can bask in that love. So I love that yeah. point. Everybody, please, you know, as soon as you stop put put down this podcast, go and find some some way of of slowing down to a, a, a maybe even stopping for a little bit and just allowing yourself to feel that soft love of God because it will transform you for sure. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, when I usually when I again, when I talk on this topic, first blessing, the subtitle, you know, of my, my talk on that is the first blessing is responsibility and self-care. That's the subtitle. So mm -hmm. in, in again, in our tradition, we always talk about responsibility, human responsibility. <laughs> so every moment yeah. you walk into somebody's house and say, have you filled, fulfilled your responsibility? You know, it's like <laughs> It's, it's it's all over the place, right? So sometimes people sure. said, you know, like I'm exhausted, I'm wiped out. So we have to counterbalance that with a real way of self-care and finding out what works for yourself, you know, to in order to balance the responsibility and self-care. You can you have to inhale and you have to exhale back and forth. Yeah. You cannot constantly exhale, otherwise you're gonna be dead, you know. It just doesn't sure. work. A beautiful uh, saying that that father says about it. He says that when Jesus in the Bible, Jesus says that when Peter asks him, "Well, how often should I forgive my enemy?" and Jesus suggests seven times. And in the, apparently, in the Old Testament, there's some reference there that says that you should forgive your enemy 
three times. So Peter thought, hey, I'll be generous. I'll double that, you know, what, seven, seven times. But Jesus answers 70 times, seven times, which is a lot of times. Father says that if Jesus forgives people 70 times, seven times, then God has to forgive people 7,000 times, 70 times. And I think that's really, really important for people to remember that God's love is infinite. You know, mm. you can bathe in God's love. So especially those people that are in a situation like this, where they're judging themselves, condemning themselves to say, you know, I, I'm watching pornography. I'm, you know, that's just not true. That's just not true. God will always respond. Of course, we have to bring our own minds closer in the direction where we can feel that also. But God is not going to condemn us. Absolutely, the door is always wide open. And that's something that I think is very, very important for people to hear time and again, because it's just simply not said enough. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's a good note to segue into your high school teacher. You obviously have a heart for the next generation. And we have a, a mix of different ages who listen to this podcast. But in writing this book, obviously, there's a sense of urgency. And being a teacher, I'm sure you really can see that this next generation has all the potential of the world to, I don't know, just advance the human civilization leaps and bounds or destroy it, depending on <laughs> how they use their time and energy. So if you could convey something to the listeners, something that you really are passionate about and wish that everybody could understand, is, is there anything that stands out as, you know, if you could have like a placard that the world would read and say, hey guys, this is really important, read this. What, what would it say? What would, what would the message be that you wish everybody could really understand? A hard one to summarize in, 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 a, in a sentence. You know? um, first of all, I think that um, we have to be aware how complex a human relationship is. You know? And this is something that in, in a broader context, I, I return to time and again in this book you know we oftentimes assume that uh, be, when we talk about love love and sexuality that things somehow should uh, fall in its place naturally because it's love again because this is the, the image that has been advertised and promoted so people when when you study the you know everybody uh, accepts that you go through the scales and you struggle and you have difficulties with it when you learn how to uh, ride a bicycle you fall over 25 times a year scrape your knees and so forth but when it comes to love and sex and marriage and somehow everything has to fall into place naturally love and human relationship is more complex than any other skill or any other profession or any other field in human life. So I think we need a tremendous amount of, of, of patience and tolerance with ourselves and with other people in this area. I find it difficult to, to summarize it into, into uh, one phrase, but... Uh, you, don't, you don't have to do it in one phrase. It's more of like an, the essence of... When you, let's, let's, start, let's just say with young people. If, when you look out into a sea of young people and you see all the potential that they have within them, is there anything that you just wish that, that they could really understand? It doesn't have to be a catchy phrase or anything, but just mm -hmm. a sentiment or a, an idea or something that I'd love to convey to this next generation. Yeah, there's always the do's and the don'ts, right? You know, I think the, the don'ts is, first of all, never give up on yourself. 
that is the bottom line and if mm. you um, if you get into a difficult situation try to have some people that can help you some yeah. advice that uh, a good friend of mine gave me you want to make sure that you have a few anchors you know two or three people that you can talk to that you can communicate you in time of crisis the other point is that oftentimes when we make mistakes we act on impulse you know and you know i'm sure you sure. studied a lot of uh, about uh, neuroplasticity and brain chemistry and so forth but you know when you yeah. with, uh, with the dopamine surges in the brain and so forth when there's a spike in that then you feel this urge to do this and that the best thing you can do in a moment like this is just sit in a chair breathe sit still you know uh, count sheep watch a little bit of tv all, until that urge passes and mm. in this way, if you can establish a certain kind of minimum for yourself, and that is, I think, a very good place to start. On the other hand, when it comes to the positives, I, with all my heart, believe that the sky is the limit. You know, we yeah. were created, we were designed to be beautiful, perfect human beings, beautiful, perfect men and women. And I'm abs I absolutely believe in that personally. I'm not saying that because that's what principle says so but i really believe that that every person is capable of maybe not reaching perfection within his lifetime but growing significantly in this lifetime to become a much more fulfilled and well-rounded human being who is capable of building a, a meaningful relationship with another person everybody can do that that is what god has designed for all of us even today yeah, I talked to a, a young man, or not so young man anymore, in Moldova, next to a small country next to Russia, because I worked as a missionary in Russia for many, many years. Beautiful wife, beautiful children, and his wife wants to divorce him. And I say, why on earth is this going on? And basically, they seem to have some problems and difficulties. And I said, please sit down, because if you're patient, if you can learn to talk to each other, all these problems can be solved. There is no problem that cannot be overcome patience and with love and with forgiveness so we need to inform ourselves but also we need to really be patient and, and have give it time give time to go so the ideal is all there for each person for each man for each woman to have a beautiful loving relationship a fulfilling human relationship in love and sexual relationship for everyone it's possible the tools are there the support system can be found. It's possible for everyone. So don't make rash decisions in a moment's notice. Don't write off the principle because it, it seems very difficult at time or because somebody is misrepresenting it to you. Unfortunately, that happens a lot. Or because you have a difficult experience with a particular person at a particular time. Try again and reread, review, connect to a person emotionally that can understand you and then you can go on to the next level. That's been my own life experience. You know, this is how I've been able to find continued growth in my own life and in my marriage with my wife. And also in relationships with my children, they don't agree with everything, but we always love them. We always embrace them. We always welcome them at home. And uh, problems can be solved that way and growth can really happen that way. That's lovely advice. I love uh, the don'ts and the do's. Uh, and they're actually, even the don'ts were kind of positive. So, <laughs> yeah, that's very sound advice from a sound person who knows his stuff. And that's what I do love about our faith and, and you know, all the people that we have around the world is that 
we have this philosophy that is not complete. It's alive and it's, it's something to build around and create on top of, right? It's the canvas. It's not the painting. It's the canvas. And uh, you've created a really wonderful life uh, with, with that, with the principle. And also what's really cool is you've created a beautiful marriage that's still growing and still very much alive. And so um, your philosophy informs your life, but your life is a reflection of your philosophy and you have this very wonderful symbiosis. And I thank you so much for taking the time to, first of all, write the book, well, the seven books, but obviously as it pertains to us, this last book about sex too, <laughs> for including sex because it's the oft forgotten topic. Um, it's like most people talk about anything except for sex. So we, on behalf of High Noon, want to thank you for pioneering that and putting it on, on the cover of your book. And also thank you so much for making time for us today and uh, enlightening us. I know many people that are going to be really, really inspired by what you said. You had a lot of great tidbits here for us to think about and to kind of inform our journey. So thank you for that. Yeah, also I want to, Andrew, I want to mention that in case people are interested in the book, that it is available on Amazon, amazon.com and all the other other Amazon branches. So the, the for lasting love, good sex and true parenthood. So if you, or you can type my name in, it spells rather strangely with two A's, Martin Mayer. <laughs> better type in the marriage blessing. You probably might have more luck with that, but you can find it on Absolutely. Amazon. And so, so if you're interested, e either as yeah. a paperback or as an ebook. So we will have all that in the show notes. We'll make Great. sure that people have uh, access to you and to your big old brain because I think it will help a lot of people. And um, yeah, thank you so much again for coming on today and for giving us so much value. So if you have any last words, this is the time. You want to say goodbye to everyone? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think I, <laughs> I said what I needed to say. Thank you for your graciousness and your questions and have the opportunity to, uh, to share some of my thoughts with all the people that are, are listening to the podcast. So thank you. Andrew Love here for one last announcement, and that is I encourage you to join our newsletter. We don't spam people. We give you the goods. We give you good quality information once a week in your email. And so we send out newsletters probably Saturdays mid-morning on average, and these are filled with blogs, the latest content, Everything you need to know in order to get through your week with high noon light. So let us light up your inbox. Join our newsletter by going to highnoon.org. It's all right there. It's super easy. We won't spam you. We just want to let you stay connected to this high noon providence. So go to highnoon.org and sign up for our newsletter.